Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. If you will, take your copy of Scripture and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 here in just a few moments. You ever wondered how you tell the difference between a true story and a fairy tale? In this time of year, if you pay any attention to stories and books and movies, you can find all sort of nice Christmas stories, generous Christmas stories, fun Christmas stories. But a lot of them are fairy tales. They're just things that make us feel good, but are they really real? Did they really happen? Are they really accurate? Robert Stein, in his commentary on the book of Luke, puts it this way. He says, in the book of Luke, there is no once upon a time, but rather in the time of King Herod, king of Judah. What's the point? The point is that Luke chapter 1 verse 5 begins with a historical account. Now, if you're a skeptic, if you're an unbeliever, if you're not sure about the Christmas story or the Bible itself, you may come to the conclusion that Luke made up part of these stories. You may come to the conclusion that Parts of the gospel and what the Bible teaches us about Jesus is not real. I don't agree with you if that's the conclusion you come to, but you may come to that conclusion. What you can't conclude is that Luke and Matthew and John and Mark and the other gospel writers thought they were making this stuff up. They didn't. They, Luke is writing an account that he's connecting to historical events that anybody in his day, in us in our day, could go back and see if there was really a Herod who was king of Judea in the time when Jesus the Messiah was supposedly born. Or according to the scripture, he was born and did come and did arrive. And so Luke's account, one of the things I love about Dr. Luke in this account that he gives us, is it's historical. He sets the story of Advent in a specific time frame that we can look at and we can actually verify the events surrounding the story of Advent. These three sermons that we've got to so far, the four sermons if you include John next week, we're looking at what each of the Gospels has to say about the Advent story. Uh, We looked at Mark a couple of weeks ago, and, and Mark just jumps right into Jesus' ministry. He's interested in Jesus the servant, the teacher, the savior. Uh, I appreciate Gary last week opening up to us the gospel of Matthew, looking at Advent according to Matthew, and and giving us that wonderful reminder that Jesus came to save his people. Luke gives us a historical account. Luke also gives us a very universal account. If you look at the difference between Luke's genealogy and Matthew's, Luke's is found in uh, later on, I believe in chapter 3, Luke begins with Adam, not with Abraham. Why? Because Luke wants us to know that Jesus didn't just come for a people, the people of Israel. And of course, Matthew says much more than that as well. But Luke wants us to know that Jesus came for all people. In fact, Luke is probably a Gentile, traveled with Paul and Paul's missionary journeys. Luke wrote the gospel according to Luke and also the book of Acts. And so Luke wants us to know that Jesus came not just to save the Jewish people, he came to save Gentiles as well. And many of Luke's stories that he's going to relate later on in the gospels reflect just that, Jesus' ministry to those who are outside 
the family of God, the people of God, as were understood to be the Jewish people in Jesus' own day. So Luke's gospel is historical. Luke's gospel is universal. But the Advent story is not just universal and it's not just historical. What I want us to concentrate on for the few minutes we have today is that Luke's Advent account is intensely personal. Jesus didn't just come for all people, though he did come for all people. Jesus came for specific people, for individuals. And if you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and you run that all the way to Luke chapter 2, verse 38, what you're going to find is Luke begins in the temple in chapter 1, and then in 2.38, he finishes in the temple. And there are five specific encounters Probably a few more interspersed, but five we're going to look at. We're going to glance at five specific encounters of who Jesus came for in some of these moments and interactions that we can look at with relation to Advent. The first is this. Jesus came for the barren. So read with me beginning in Luke chapter 1 verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was, a barren, was barren, and both were well advanced in years. If that thing reminds you of another couple, it probably should, Abraham and Sarah, way back in the Old Testament. Uh, the truth of the matter is, Zechariah and Elizabeth had followed God, they had obeyed God, and yet they were advanced in years. That, that line, I don't know exactly how old they were, but the bottom line is they were past childbearing age. It was not typical, would not have been normal for them to have children. And so, uh, an angel appeared to Zechariah when he went into the temple to do his work. That's where the story begins in the temple with Zechariah there to, uh, ministering as a priest. He went in the temple, an angel showed up and said, Zechariah, guess what? We've heard your prayer, the Lord's heard your prayer, and you're going to have a child. And Zechariah, quite like Sarah in the Old Testament, didn't really believe what the angel had told him was going to happen. And so the sign that Zechariah was going to have a child, a son, was the fact that he was going to be silent until that son was born. And he came out of the temple after doing his duties after serving, came out of the temple, and guess what? He couldn't talk, couldn't speak, and they wondered, had he seen a vision? He had an experience with God. Of course, he did have an experience with God. He did see a vision, and he went home, and he told his wife Elizabeth about that. And in fact, what you discover as you read further into this story about Zachariah and Elizabeth is they were going to have a very important child, not the most important child, but the one we talked about in the gospel according to Mark, they were the ones who were going to be the parents of John the Baptist, a man who was going to be a forerunner for Jesus, the prophet, who was going to preach a gospel and a message of repentance. What I find fascinating is later on when Mary was told that she was going to conceive and bear a son and she visited Elizabeth. Elizabeth was pregnant, about six months pregnant. And do you remember that little moment? you remember what happened? Elizabeth is there, she's carrying her baby, and her baby jumped in her womb, right? Because Mary entered her presence. Well, Jesus entered her presence. And Elizabeth recognized that someone special had arrived. And I want you to hear this. Jesus came for the barren. 
Christmas is a time of joy. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of unwrapping presents and giving presents. But folks, for some people, Christmas is a time of grief and a time of loss and a time of lack. There are folks all around us that that would love nothing more than to just have a child in their arms and carry. For whatever reason, they don't have a child. For whatever reason, God hasn't chosen to give them that specific biological blessing of a child in their arms that they can carry and that they can call their very own. And Zachariah and Elizabeth were in that situation. You know what God did? God intervened for a specific purpose at a specific time. And I want you to hear this. Jesus came for those who are barren. Jesus came for those who are broken. Jesus came for those who don't feel like they match up and they line up with all that everyone else has in the world. Jesus came for somebody else too. He came for the young. Came for the young. Notice what happened in the next little paragraph. Chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel, that's the sixth month, probably of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent again from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What a, what a speech, right? Can you imagine hearing that speech? Can you imagine being there on the receiving end of that speech? Amazing. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm still a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And get this, I want you to pay attention to verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. It's one of the reasons Jesus came is to help us to know that there's nothing that's outside of the ability of God to accomplish. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to to your word. And the angel departed from her. Jesus came for the young. Came to and through a very young woman, but he came for the young. I think sometimes we we miss this. It's pretty typical in uh, contemporary American culture for us to wait to get married until we're in our 20s. I was 23 when I got married. I know others who are late 20s before they get married. I know some who are single and into their late 20s and early 30s, and I'm going to tell you there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In the day and age in which Mary and Joseph lived, it was very typical for a girl to be married in her teens, 14, 15, 16 years old. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how old Mary was, but it's pretty common that she would, or pretty likely that she would have been a teenager. So we're talking, let's just, let's let's give a kind of a a general range. Let's say she's 15 years old when angel Gabriel shows up to her and says to her, hey, you're favored of God and you're going to carry the son of God in your womb. Can you imagine that conversation? I, I mean, what a faith it took, right, for Mary to accept that. 
But, but sometimes we miss what the acceptance of God's plan meant for her. Think about this. It meant an unexpected pregnancy. You thought, you thought about that? I mean, she was going to go through a situation where if she told the story of what happened, let's get real, who's going to believe that story? Well, an angel told me that God was going to be, give me, give me a special baby. What? You know, how, how do you tell that story where people believe you? An unexpected pregnancy, she went into hiding, so she lost family and friends. I don't know if dad and mom believed her, have no clue. Don't know. We know Joseph believed her after an angel spoke to Joseph. But I don't know that Joseph believed her before then. And so she's facing an unexpected pregnancy. She's facing being ostracized from family and friends. She's facing telling a story she's not sure who's going to believe. Potentially facing divorce from the man that she's hopeful to be married to. And possibly... Because it's an unexpected pregnancy that she can't explain and can't offer any proof for. Possibly facing even death for unfaithfulness. When we think about all that Mary experienced, the joy and the wonder of that, yes, is absolutely grand. But the internal, psychological, mental challenges that maybe she faced, the spiritual moments that she faced in that journey from Gabriel's announcement to the birth of her son and making a new life in Nazareth uh, after the fact? I mean, can you imagine what that was like? You got to know that that was a difficult moment. And I want you to hear this. Jesus came for her in that moment. I know, I know some young people feel like, okay, Jesus, did Jesus have anything to do with me? Does he care about me? Does he care about what's going on in my life? And I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. Jesus came for the young. Some of the young folks that are going through stuff today are going through some really challenging stuff in our culture. In a few weeks, I think I'm going to preach a specific sermon that's kind of targeted at this. But just for a moment, I'd like you to think for a second about some of what young people are going through. Emergency room visits for suspected suicide attempts among girls between the ages of 12 and 17 increased by 26% during the summer of 2020 and by 50% during the winter of 2021 compared with the same periods in 2019. The findings from this particular study suggest more severe distress among young females and has been identified in previous reports during the pandemic, reinforcing the need for increased attention to and prevention for teenagers going through times of difficulty. And I'm just going to tell you, I could look at the statistics, I could tell you the statistics, I've read them, but those are not just statistical realities. I could tell you the stories that, that our pastoral staff have had, have experienced talking with adults, talking with teenagers, talking with children who are struggling with anxiety, sleeplessness, uncertainty, difficulties, potentially even suicidal thoughts as they're trying to figure out and navigate how do we handle the upsetting of norms that we've experienced for two years. Throw on the top of that with teenagers in particular, the, the pressures of social media 
Instagram that kind of put an image up and say, this is what you're supposed to look like, even when this is not what you look like and you can't match that, and bullying and all of those things that come along with that. And what do you see? You have a population that's struggling. I just want you to pause for a moment and remember that Mary went through some of the same psychological and probably spiritual tensions that some of you in the room and some of you that know people in your relational circles and your families and your friends are going through. I want you to hear this. Jesus came for the young. Jesus came for those who were struggling. Jesus came to Mary even knowing that the moment of her pregnancy, the moment, the experience of her pregnancy and the experience of birth was going to cause her psychological tension, difficulty, challenges. He came anyway, and he came for her. Jesus came for the barren. Jesus came for the young. Did you know that Jesus also came for the outcast? We a lot of times think that Jesus came for nice people. Jesus didn't come for nice people. Jesus came for the people in the early part of chapter 2. The angels went to who to announce the birth of Jesus? They went to the shepherds. We sometimes have the tendency to sentimentalize shepherds. I'm pretty sure I played a shepherd on a number of occasions in Christmas plays as a child. And generally, they try to get the cutest kids to play shepherds. I don't know why they got me then, but... You know, that's what they do, and we send them on the lives, those shepherds, all there on the fields, watching their flock by night. It was cold. It was brutal. The shepherds, they were shepherds because they didn't want them doing anything else. You realize one of the most amazing stories in all of the Bible is that God sent Samuel to find David who was taking care of the sheep. Do you know why David was taking care of the sheep? Because he was the youngest son. It was the worst job. It was the least job. It was the job of the outcast. It was the job of the person that was set apart. It was the job of the person that couldn't take a shower. It was the job of the person that couldn't clean up. It was the job of the person that had to sleep with the sheep. Who are not the smartest animals uh, on the planet. The shepherds were not the people that you would have expected that would have received an announcement about the birth of the Savior. And yet, who did the angels go to? They went to the shepherds. They went to the outcasts. They went to the people that didn't belong in normal, nice society. By the way, I don't know if you caught this, but in chapters 1 and 2, you have three angelic announcements. And those three angelic announcements are to people that you would not expect. Maybe Zechariah. Maybe Zechariah. But let me tell you a little bit of concept from the ancient world. If you didn't have children, you were perceived as not being blessed by God. So why in the world would an angel appear to someone not blessed by God? The three angelic announcements came to people that were unexpected. But the angels came to the shepherds. They came to the outcasts. I don't know if you feel that way in the room tonight or if you're watching at home. You feel like you don't belong. You feel like people don't care about you. People don't know you. You feel like there's something in your life that's missing. Let me tell you something. Jesus came for you. Now, let let me step on a toe or two for just a moment. That also means folks in the room and folks at home, Jesus came for the black sheep in your family. Jesus came for the person that you can't get along with. 
Jesus came for the folks that you don't like. He didn't just come for us who feel like we've got it. He came for those who don't feel like they have it at all. Jesus came for the barren. Jesus came for the young. Jesus came for the outcast. Now listen to this. Jesus came for the aged. If you'll skip on over into chapter 2, look at 2 verse 22. When the time for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That requires, a. let me read another verse or two. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That requires a little bit of context. Jesus would have been circumcised on his eighth day and it would have been 40 days total before Mary was at a place where she could go observe the purification ritual. The text tells us that what happened is they took Jesus with them to the temple uh, and they took Jesus with them to the temple so Mary could perform the purification sacrifices and so they could be experience the blessing of taking Jesus to the temple for the very first time. So this is probably a little over a month after Jesus' birth. When they got to the temple, I want you to notice this. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And notice this. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. How do we know he's old? Well, he had been told by the Holy Spirit that he wasn't going to see death until he saw Jesus. Saw the Messiah, saw the one that was to come. And, and we can make an assumption that he was anticipating death, maybe even asking for death, maybe even longing for death because of the circumstances and the difficulty of the aging experience that he had. But God said, until you see the Messiah, you're not going to die. Now notice what, what goes on. Verse 27, And he came in the spirit to the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do According to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him. And notice what he said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace and according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is the appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. For a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Of course we know that Jesus came through Mary, right? We know that he came from heaven, laying aside the kingly throne there in heaven. And he came to planet earth through the process of being born as a baby. But have you ever thought that Jesus also came to the temple that day? And you know who he came to see at the temple that day? He came to see Simeon. It, this is a specific marker in, in the life of Simeon. This is one of those moments where Simeon had been waiting on something that God had said would happen. And when God, in the way that only God can, made it clear that the baby that Mary and Joseph had brought into Jerusalem was the long-awaited Messiah, the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon and let him know, this is the one you've been waiting for. And Simeon made a prophecy about him. I want you to know this, folks. A lot of times we think of Christmas as Christmas for the children. 
Christmas for the little ones. Christmas for, for those whose eyes of wonder are so excited about the new sights and the new experiences and the new gifts that they're going to get. Jesus didn't just come for those moments. Folks, Jesus came for those who are older. Jesus came for those who are aged. I've been told that growing old is not for the faint of heart. I'm quite sure some of those in my congregation have been the ones to tell me that. I'm going to tell you something. Growing old means that you might leave someone behind that you've grown old with. Growing old sometimes means that things don't work exactly like they used to work. Growing old sometimes means that we don't have the same level of joy that maybe we should have in the experiences of life. And I just want you to hear this. Jesus came for the aged. Jesus did not just come for the little ones. Jesus came for every person of every age of every circumstance in life. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, Jesus came for you. I'll give you a fifth person that Jesus came for. Jesus came for the lonely. That very next little paragraph in verse 36 of chapter 2, there was a prophetess named Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Now, the text is not entirely clear whether she was 84 years old or whether she had spent 84 years uh, in the state of widowhood. If that, if that were the case, she's probably nearing 100 in terms of her age. In any case, 84, 100, she's older. And she's older without having the, the person in her life that she had counted on. So she had been a widow for a really long time. She had been isolated. The text doesn't tell us, but it doesn't say that she had children. It doesn't say that she had someone else she could count on. In fact, what it says is that as a widow, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She didn't spend her days with family. She spent her days in the temple. Why? Because that's where her community was. I'll tell you, Jesus came for the lonely. Do you realize that? Jesus came so that we wouldn't ever have to be permanently lonely. It's heartbreaking this time of year for some folks. I, I, I think a lot about those folks that this year will be their first year without a husband or wife. This year will be their first year without a mom or dad. This year will be their first year without a brother or sister. This year will be their first year without a son or a daughter. And there's, a, there's a, a hole in your heart when that's the case. And, and it's a hole that can't be filled with any other person other than that person. It, it, you can have joy, you can have kindness, you can have peace, you can have, you can have moments of uh, experiences of, of grace, you can have all that. But there's something missing because that person is missing. And I want to tell you, one of the most beautiful things about the Christmas story, according to Dr. Luke, is that Jesus went to the temple, and he went to the temple so that Simeon could see him. And he went to the temple so that Anna could see him. Jesus came for the lonely. Let me give you a point of application before we close our sermon. Let me give you, rather, several points of application. 
One of the things that Gary mentioned in his sermon last week that I thought was so helpful and so encouraging is to remind us that sometimes we as the church today are really the only incarnated Jesus that the world is going to see. Jesus saved us so that we could express his love to others. And, and if you're here today and you know Jesus came for you and you know Jesus has saved you and, and you know you're right with the Lord, let me encourage you to take a note from Luke's gospel and, and pay attention to some other people around you. So here's what you can do. One, pray for someone that you know that is barren. I, I, I can't tell you the heartbreak that happens I only know it from, from being married to someone who, when we, before we had our children, we struggled with infertility. And there are moments it's just really, really hard. There are moments where it's just a challenge. So here's what I want you to do. If you know somebody in that situation, pray for them. Pray for them. Even if you don't know the situation, if you don't know it's still heartbreaking, pray for them. Okay? Will you do that? I'll give you a second specific application. Look at and listen to young people. I, 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 wish, I wish I could tell you the level of anxiety that permeates the school system right now with elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids. I wish I could tell you the conversations that our staff are having and church members are having. And they're there. And I'm not trying to impose that upon some of you that maybe you're going through that, maybe you're not going through that. All I want you to hear is this. If Jesus came for the young, he came for the young no matter what their circumstances are. And sometimes it's our job to be that person who listens and who looks. I'll tell you something, one of the greatest ways that you can help anxiety, in some ways one of the greatest ways you can stop someone from acting upon suicidal thoughts is simply to look them in the eye and ask them, are you okay? Will you look at somebody, look at a young person, listen to them. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about a lecture. Don't make it about telling them what they need to hear. There's time for that and a place for that. Look at them. Listen to them. So we're praying for the barren. We're looking at the young. How about this one? Find an outcast and care for them. I don't know what that means for you. I don't, I don't, maybe it means giving a donation to people who are homeless now because of the tornado. All I'm telling you is this. Jesus didn't come for the people that just look like us. Because reality, sometimes what happens, we're most comfortable with people that, that kind of are in our socioeconomic status. They're, they're kind of in our, in, in our communities and we're comfortable with them because they, you know we, we kind of dress alike, we kind of talk alike, we kind of act alike. Here's what I want to remind you of. Jesus didn't just come for people that look like us, that act like us, that talk like us. Find somebody in your own situation in life and this Christmas season make a commitment to go to that person and be Jesus to them. Here's another one. Care for somebody who's elderly. Preach it, Curtis. I mean, seriously, if someone's older than you, if, if you're, if, care for somebody. I, I, let me put these together. The aged and the lonely. Let me put it together for a second. I know people in our church 
that their only community is the church. That's it. That's one of the testimonies of Anna. Did you notice that? There's a solution to loneliness, and she was in the temple around the people of God. And you know what that means? It means that some people, their family may be non-existent or may be not able to be there. And you know who their family is? It's us, the people of God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a member at Wilkesboro Baptist Church, you love the Lord, you know Jesus came for you, your spiritual life has been settled, you're good with that. Over the next 10 or so days, between now and Christmas, will you look up some person that you know might need a conversation and make a phone call, write a note, or make a visit to someone who's aged and potentially lonely? I got to brag on our deacons for just a moment. Recently, our deacons, uh, we have what's called a contingency list at the church. So those that are widowed or single, that are older than I think 65, I think that's the number. Uh, we put them on a list and our deacons care for those. They check on them. And recently they took blankets that have our new logo and they visited with them and they gave them a blanket and they handed it to them and said, we just love you, we're praying for you. And, and listen, we don't get everything right at our church, but sometimes we get some things right and that's one of the things we got right. Ministering to folks, just visiting with them. And I want to tell you this. There are some people that you know that one of the greatest gifts you could possibly give them is a phone call or a visit. Just time with them to be the people of God in their lives. There's some applications for you to walk home with. Now, let me talk to those of you that have not settled in your own heart and mind why Jesus came. I want you to hear this for just a second. Some of us, and some of the times what we do, we, we look at the pages of Scripture and we think, hold on, I'm not, I'm not that person. Why would Jesus come for me, I'm not Mary. I mean, she accepted in faith what Angel Gabriel told her. I'm not Zachariah. I'm not a priest. I'm not like Simeon, and I'm not like uh, I'm not like Anna, who were faithful there in the temple in that moment. I, that that can't be me. I want you to hear this. I don't think Jesus came to them because of their faith. I think Jesus came to them. So they could have faith. I want you to hear me. Jesus doesn't come for us when we're at our best. Because our best is never good enough anyway. Jesus comes for us when we're in our moments and when we're at our worst. I mean, Zechariah is this priest, right? Supposed to love God, obey God, trust God. The, the angel told him, you're going to have a child. And he said, hold on, not sure about that. And you know what his curse was? To not be able to talk. Until baby John was born. He didn't believe. And yet Jesus came for him. I want to tell you. Jesus went through a lot to get there. Not only did he leave heaven. And come through the process of childbirth. He had to be carried. Helplessly. From Bethlehem to Jerusalem. To get to the temple for that appointment with Simeon, and with Anna. I want you to hear this. If you're here and you haven't settled in your heart that Jesus came for you, I don't know what brought you here today in the specific sense, but I know in the general sense, God brought you here today. 
God has been orchestrating the events of your life to hear a reminder, if you've heard it before, or hear for the very first time, that Jesus came for you. Whether you're broken or not, if you're, if, you're, if you're here and you're depressed and you're frustrated and you're anxious and you're uncertain, I'm going to tell you, Jesus came to Mary in those moments. If you're here and you're lonely and you don't have anybody else to be around and care for you, Jesus came to be your Savior and your friend forever. If you're going through a circumstance that you can't figure out and make sense of, Jesus came for you. Folks, if we'll come for the barren, and if we'll come for the lonely, and if we'll come for the young, and if we'll come for the aged, and if we'll come for the outcast, let me promise you, He came for you. And if you haven't accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, this sermon, this meeting, this opportunity, watching at home or watching in the, in the room, is an opportunity for you to accept that Jesus came for you. Receiving him is as simple as putting your faith and trust in him. Jesus, I believe that you came to be my savior. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I trust in you and I want to follow you with my life. Jesus came so that you don't ever have to be alone again. You just didn't come to solve your problems. He came, when he came to Mary, her problems got bigger. But he came to be with Mary. He came to be with us. So that we'll know him. I want to give you an invitation. When we give an invitation in a moment. If you'd like to trust Jesus as your savior. Would you come to this altar? Would you come talk to me? If you're uncomfortable with that. I'll be around after the worship service. I'd love nothing more than to talk to you. About how you can know for sure that Jesus came for you to be your savior. And folks the rest of you in this room. That that's settled. That that's sure. That you know Jesus came. Remember no matter how broken you still are. Jesus is with you. He came for you in the moments that you're, you're struggling with. And if you need to, this altar is available for you to just bring those burdens and those concerns to the Lord. And folks, we're the people of God. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. Jesus came for us. If you're here and you're like, man, I don't feel any of these things. There are others that do feel these things. Would you pray that God will give you an opportunity to be his hands and feet of compassion and relationship to someone who needs to be reminded that Jesus came to love them too. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, as we enter into this time of invitation. The altar will be available to pray. I'll be available to talk to you about knowing that Jesus came for you. If you'd like to talk after the service, I'm available. Lord Jesus, it astounds me that you would come not only from heaven to earth, but that you would orchestrate the events of my life to bring me to a place when I was 18 years old where I saw my self-righteousness in a mirror. And, and I knew that I couldn't do anything else about my sin. And you helped me to see that you had come to forgive me. Father, I know in this room and I know at home watching, I know there are folks that aren't sure yet that you came for them. Lord, I pray that this moment would be a moment of reminder, a moment maybe for the very first time where they know that you came to be their Savior. You came to be their friend. You came for them individually and personally. Pray for their salvation. Pray for the comfort of those who are lonely. I pray for the strength of those who are growing older. Pray, Lord, for the 
for you to just wrap those that are barren in your arms and help them to know, Lord Jesus, that even if you don't do a miracle like you did for Elizabeth and Zachariah, you're enough. Help them to know that. Lord, help those young that that are struggling with anxiety and fears and doubts and worries to know, Lord Jesus, that you came for them as well. Help that person that's an outcast that doesn't feel like they belong to know that in you they belong and they belong in your family. Help them to know that. Lord God, move in our midst. And then I pray that you move through our midst. Send us out with the message of hope and forgiveness to those who just need to know that you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. 